<laughs> I've got my gin and tonic. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. Six o'clock, right? I just think that's fine. I think it's all right. If whatever makes you happy, man, we've got to do what we've got to do. Yeah, exactly. Hi and welcome to Christmas Shade with me, Lou Mensa, and special guest Kevin Morosky. Kevin is an advertising creative, film director and photographer. He's also the co-founder of We Are POC, a members collective and community of creatives with a mission to accelerate equality within the industry. He's also one half of the creative agency duo Felix and the Lovebirds with Tom Dunn. We delved into the historical and social context in which Kevin works for this episode um, and he shares his insights into his triumphs and challenges working as a senior creative in our white dominated industry. Seeing as this is Shade's Christmas episode, we've decided to give you a two-part special, complete with our very own tribute to Kevin's Queen of Christmas. That's at the end of part two, but first up, enjoy part one. Here we go. This is like such a treat. It's like, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course it is. Your like Instagram account just just gives me joy, and I love it the way it it just kind of it goes up and down. So like one minute it's like deep and quiet and and like um, inward gazing, and then it's like right up there, and it's like it goes up and down with all the emotions. I just love it. Like no one does it like you do it, Kevin. Oh, thank you so much. Do you know what? I've seen people say that about that account all the time, and it's literally just uh, me just trying to be, like, open and honest, and from an entertainment point of, for myself, first and foremost, but I'm just like, if you want to come along for the ride, that's completely fine, but I don't know. I just think that's how social media should be used. I try to just use it to, like, entertain myself i love it and i was thinking how did we first start chatting and i think you put up like um, a request years ago about looking after how to look after a banana plant or something (laughs) (laughs) and i was like that is a question for me i'm going straight in and i'm curious about your approach to creating the imagery and the stories for campaigns that you do. And while I was thinking about this, I came across the following quote from James Baldwin's Sunny Blues, where he says, for while the tale of how we suffer and how we are delighted and how we may triumph is never new, it always must be heard. And there isn't any other tale to tell. It's the only light we've got in all this darkness. And I was thinking about this and the telling of our collective stories. And I was thinking how, you know, the old school uh, storytellers, how their ideas stand in quite stark contrast with the views of some of our most vocal contemporary public figures. And I'm specifically thinking of, you know, the the infamous quotes of Kanye and Jay-Z here, who want to move on from some of the narratives of our history. And with that in mind, I was interested 
in how you see the social and historical context in which you operate as a storyteller and how you navigate and how you see your role within it? It's a really good question. Um, I don't know who Kanye is. I don't acknowledge that person. Uh... <laughs> That's my answer. Um, I don't know who you're talking about but in terms of Jay-Z no all jokes aside I think that um, as black and brown people or anyone that's in a group that's othered um, I think one of the biggest weapons formed against us is the lack of space to practice duality you have to be one thing or the other Uh, you can't be hard and soft You, you can't be too effeminate if you're a man or you can't be too masculine if you're a woman or you know just all of all of these things which actually as humans we all are uh to be human is to experience everything sometimes all at the same time um and as a black gay man that is something that i've had to figure out very quickly and be comfortable with because for everything that my culture the problematic side of my culture tries to tell me um, I shouldn't exist. I mm. shouldn't be black and I shouldn't be gay at the same time when in actual fact my blackness is everything that I am. So being mm. black is being gay and being black is liking, for lack of a better stereotype, uh, liking Mozart and mm-hmm. <laughs> having my steak rare or when I did eat mm. meat. So for me, um, I find it quite easy to kind of tread tread that that it's not even a thin line but tread that line of like progression but also remembering where we came from like I can exist in those two spaces mm. because all all of my life as far as I'm concerned all that's ever been shown to me as a space that I'm meant to exist in is I'm only allowed to be this one thing but my actual lived experience is I'm super poor or was super poor, mm. but look at all this art and magic that I make out of nothing. I'm not meant to be able to make anything out of nothing. And mm. that's why you have governments, uh, especially conservatives, stripping away arts and crafts and funds from the arts and crafts community. Arts mm. and crafts, what am I saying? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> You've arts been at a Christmas market, haven't you? <laughs> 100%. That's, that's why it's not just like, oh, they don't think they don't think um the arts are important like that 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 is um that is a well thought out plan if you Mm. take away people's ability to express themselves and tell stories you'll see how quickly you can dumb down a particular section of people and control Mm. them Mm. but the moment that people have uh, the ability to tell their stories in whatever form whether that's moving image painting uh bloody hell even fell tips or crayons like you're making something to represent yourself and talk about your experience and prove that you were once here and so that's what we're kind of seeing with this government in terms of like stripping away uh youth clubs and spaces that people can conjugate and exchange ideas and skill sets and points of views because it's important for people to think they are that one thing because the moment that people think they are that one thing they are controllable and maybe they become a particular number or particularly usable in that one particular way but the moment that people show or practice duality 
shit, like your your potential is limitless, mm-hmm. right? So for me, um, existing in that space, sorry, to actually answer your question, mm-hmm. existing in that space of uh, being able to, I don't think it's that big a difficult thing. Like, I do think Jay-Z's right in some ways. It's like, cool, we know all of this. Like, what are we doing to move forward? Um, and I think he does that in his music anyway. I've always appreciated Jay-Z for the fact that I don't think he's ever forgotten Biggie Smalls or where mm. he's kind of come from, but he rounds it off with where I'm at now and where I'm going. Because mm. all of those things are part of the story, right? Beginning, middle, end, or beginning, middle, and what the prospect is or, or what the direction is. Like, it's just all simple storytelling. Mm. So I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing to kind of definitely remember the past and how we've got here. But I also think it's like, cool, so what is the next thing? Like, how do we move forward? Like, how do we progress? How do we evolve? Mm. That's a really important insight. And that was one that I was um, trying to explain to my 10-year-old daughter the other week um, and how important the arts are, not just for self-expression and for art's sake, but they have been used and they can and will continue to be used as a political tool and that's why you have to be very careful if you're in spaces and people are trying to um dumb down your creative expression in any way and i was i was using stormzy as an example i saying can you imagine if at any point he decided not to write his lyrics or not to go to the studio or not to think that that line he had in his head was important and, and write it down and then I was telling her the the effect he had on um the young people to register to vote you know it went up like what 400,000 in one day or something as soon as he yeah. put a tweet out and I'm just saying you know this is this is why the creative arts are important because without people like him changes wouldn't happen you know, she was like, oh, my God, that blew her mind. It's so true because it's like the other part of that is uh, we don't all communicate in the same way, right? Mm. Um, we all come from different cultures and backgrounds and all these things, which is fine. It's a beautiful thing. But we do need to be able to communicate. And art is one of those things that allows us to communicate in that way. Again, whether that's pictures, photography, or in Stormzy's case, as you mentioned, um music yeah. you know what i mean like through his music you might not be able to sit down um with with big mike and uh exactly understand what he's saying but via his music and that passion that he delivers yeah. via his music like you feel that you know on a real spiritual level yeah and that's a, a commu- you, you know what i mean it's a communication yeah. it's important yeah. Yeah. and the moment that we get that connection it's like cool we're mm. connected mm. and also what does that push you to go and explore yeah absolutely it's like um it's a it's a visceral almost physical thing yes. that actually yes. um it's like a mechanical action that one person makes a movement or an action or a sound and then it has a physical response in another person because it has an emotive 100%. response which leads to a physical response and um you know thinking about those mm. things all the time is why I was kind of disillusioned with the primary school system like 
on many levels, especially when it came to art and self-expression. If we dumb down people and remove their access to self-expression and arts, they're not going to cause us any problem. And in the school system, it's just unbelievable. But then meanwhile, in sections of my world, in terms of working in advertising, Mm. all of these brands are bang on those kids, trying to suck them dry of their originality and the things that they make while they have nothing. Yeah. Then that's what's cool. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. don't want you to be creative. Don't just stuff. And then these brands come along and are like, right, this is what these kids are into. And it's like, from my point of view, I'm like, wow, like this, this particular phrase, um, fad or like move in the culture has come from because this has been taken away. So it's just a natural thing of once again, people trying to make stuff out of nothing you've taken away something so they figured out a way to then make this other thing uh mm. if you look at a dizzy rascal and them lot like when they were mm. originally working on grime and things like that they didn't have a studio what they did have was playstations and making mm. beats on that and now look where we are at with uh with grime with a skepta or even um that madman wiley's people are evolving and just trying to find new ways of communicating even down to like my photography like oh who inspired you in photography and like Mm -hmm. I will always say Biggie Smalls and people get confused by that and I'm like well if you listen to the music I just felt they were snapshots like every single line was like a new shot a new shot and I was like damn like I want to tell stories like that which then led me to photography but I kind of kept that secret for the longest time because I just thought didn't mean anything until someone finally got me like and then golden book like my stuff is like that I didn't see anybody like me doing any of this stuff so I was like oh it sounds stupid now you know I was just like oh black people are photographers just because I didn't know of any famous black photographers same here same here right or I didn't even know how that business worked like Mm. how do you make money as a photographer and it turns out like you can actually have an all right living (laughs) like if you're doing the right things and you understand what your usage rate should be and all of these things and you know how to move but yeah my photography in general like definitely came from Biggie Smalls and even down to the way that I execute ideas and try to simplify them Again, I'll like write uh, a campaign and then I'll go back into the language of the thing and look at it as a whole. Like, how do I simplify this? How Mm. would Christopher Wallace, uh, Biggie, like simplify Mm. this? Mm. I think that's really interesting. But it gives me so much joy to like, in my, like, for me to know that I've got these campaigns, right? That sometimes like my budgets are in the millions and I'm like, (laughs) I use the Biggie Smalls method basically (laughs) to like simplify your shit to get it to where it needs to be. So it's effective and makes sense. But you lot would look at Biggie Smalls as nothing other than a gangster rapper who didn't really do anything and died. Do you know what I mean? I think um, image makers um, understand that because... um, you see and you feel I don't know about you but I I definitely see see and feel in images so um I find it actually I don't know why the fuck I'm doing a podcast actually I find verbal communication (laughs) incredibly difficult (laughs) it's probably the last thing that I should be doing because um I just think in images and I have to explain my emotions in images to people you know I have to give them like um, uh, a a description of the image 
I, I see in my head if they're asking me how I feel. I can't just say how I feel. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting because I definitely see that in your work. Everything in um, your work um, and your commercial campaigns, all of them, all of them, it's so simplified and you 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 narrow everything down to like, the the absolute basics so like um you're just communicating regardless of the emotion you're communicating the message in the most simplest form and I don't I don't know obviously that's naturally how you make your work but it's really effective and you know what keeps on coming up on my phone those first direct adverts oh god (laughs) oh come on I like I like them. I like that. I just like the characters you've got in there. But I look at it and I think, oh, my God, like the characters are kind of actually really rich for what they are. But the message, like the idea is really simple. I just think you yeah. do a really good job. Why are you saying, oh, God? Oh, just because with those things in, in that particular brand, like, <laughs> uh, you know, I'd like even when I posted that stuff. I think I said something like these things are never easy to make. And I guess I was politely trying to allude to the fact that this was a hellish (laughs) job to be on. But I'm really, for me, um, being able to like put Claire de Lune in the advert, being able to put that young black man in there with all of his big, beautiful features in the middle of the camera like that. And then even like just placing um a woman in that situation where she's just relaxed and yes it's not the best angle of her face but, yeah, but that that's why it's brilliant matter. yeah yeah thank you yes. <laughs> I'm glad I, you got it. <laughs> I get it I get how important it is to put those things through and I'm watching I was watching that and thinking hmm I don't know how other people watch or um you know reimagine this in their heads as they're watching it but I can see that those things um were important like in the filming and I just like yeah you got it you got it if I'm honest even down to like that woman like there was a point was like okay I'm gonna maybe we cast like a black or brown lady and then I was instantly like actually I don't want to do that because I don't want anyone to have the opportunity to talk about this thing of like black or brown people being lazy or sleeping or uh, all of these things like these are things that also run through my mind like I, I run through drills on mm. my ads to be like am I con- contributing to a stereotype or am I given an opportunity for one to be discussed and all of those kind of things yeah do the clients get all, all of this I mean, do you have to, if they say, do they understand sometimes when you might say to them, I'm not doing that, and you try and explain very simply why, um, is that a difficult tension that you find yourself in quite quite often? Um, yes and no. It's not difficult for me. I'm from Croydon, and people have <laughs> fully thrown bullets at my head, so <laughs> difficult conversations mean absolutely nothing to me. Yes. It's like, you're not trying to kill me. I could care less. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I sometimes I just say I don't think that's the way to do it, and I hope they like just more time. They just pick up on like I'm saying it for a reason. If it gets uh, pushed, like for instance, there's um, a campaign that I did like about two years ago, and it involved um, photographers again, and um, one of the client, one of the photographers have come back with images and she'd have done it on 
uh, black hair, natural black hair, specifically mm. women. And one of the girls in the image, she had dyed her hair like a fuchsia pink. She had mm. like a short kind of, um, it's not an afro, but like just a short kind of like uh, natural textured. Mm. Her hair was short and natural textured, but she dyed her hair fuchsia pink. And the client was this middle class white man. And he was like, oh, she has to take her out. That's not natural hair. And I was like, it is natural hair. She's not going anywhere. Mm. That's her hair. So it's easy for me. But on top of that, I have like a great um, creative partner. I don't like many people don't really understand or don't know that within advertising as a creative, you usually have a partner. So one is like images mm. and then the other one looks after words. So, okay. so like I have a creative partner who's like, um, I guess the copywriter, and then I would be the art director. So when we're making it ad, visually, everything visual falls under my remit, and then everything language-wise falls under his. But with him, he's um, a ally, like beyond anything that I've really ever experienced, and always uses his privilege as like a middle-class white man to always talk up I've never had to like instruct him or explain my reaction or mm. he's just always been down to ride so even in those situations if I haven't said it first he's usually there for me mm. fully That's calling, unique. yeah like fully calling out like we've been in meetings he's like yeah but you you know you as a middle class uh, white man with all your privileges wouldn't understand that so what I suggest we do is listen to the only person of color in the room and learn something like and he'll just say that shit and not blink so you two work on commercial um projects together but you also have done um projects uh, you do projects aside from that on your own as well was your um lush film on knife crime that was something that you did on your own is that right yeah and then yeah, just yeah. as my my like best friend and like creative partner he'll always like I'll be like can you just look at this what do you think because yeah. we now have a bond where you got to understand in creative industries people work alongside each other all day long but don't really believe like mm. someone have a creative idea and think it's the best thing in the world and then they might show it to someone else and they have an opinion and you're mm. like oh you're just trying to block me this is the best thing in the world and it's like no I'm not trying to block you like your ideas are shit but this is how you can make it better. But being in a partnership like that, as if like I turn around and like show Tom something, and Tom's just like, no, nah, that's not it. I don't yeah. even second guess it. I'm like, that's that is my partner. Do you know what I mean? My creative partner. So he's gonna tell me the truth. So as much as he's an ally, he's still obviously one of his privileges is that he moves in different spaces that. I don't and overhears things that I wouldn't that he definitely stands up to but it's nice to show him stuff and I'm like you as a middle class uh white man please tell me how this particular sentence made you feel and mm. just give me a perspective because it's very mm. easy for any one of us to end up in echo chambers oh yeah absolutely you know? absolutely and I was interested in the framework that you you put on your personal context um within within that particular film. And I just wanted to to read out a quote because I think it would just resonate with so, so many people. And you said, at secondary school, I started to realize just how racism could and does work 
and how it had been affecting me. And more importantly, it was at this point that I realised what my mother had been actually doing with all of her words of advice. She wasn't only interested in me learning how to be kind to others. She was trying to prepare me for this moment that all people of colour have when they realise that they are part of a system. She was making sure that I understood how to be kind to myself in a moment that I suspect all minority groups experience, that even if you abide by the rules and, and face society with an open mind and positive outlook, that you'll always be looked and treated as another anyway. And that got me right in the gut, just did then as I was reading it. This moment where you identify your mother's delicacy in preparing you for the discomfort that she knew would come you know she was doing it in a parental way without being explicit but with a consciousness that this is inevitable I'm really interested to know how you've managed to well have you managed to internalize this being kind to yourself and, and protecting yourself I think it's still difficult you get to a space and you realize the amount of stuff that you have to unlearn or not even unlearn but you realize that you've been privileged so for instance like in my family like my mom is um a darker skin tone and my dad is a much much lighter skin tone to the point where you could think he was mixed race um and then my brother came out as light as my dad i came out like my mother's skin tone and then my other sister my mother's and my other sister light as my dad my granddad was as dark as a knife Mm. beautiful skin tone like mm. just beautiful and then my grandmother on my this is on my mum's side uh lights again I just grew up like that and the same with my uncles like from left to, you know just as you go there were seven of them go down the line one's light one's dark the idea of colorism wasn't necessarily a thing because also we were all treated equally and if anyone ever troubled any one of us you'd get the raft of the mm. whole family but that was just never a thing and then you know as you grow up and you start to realize the problems that uh young black women have light light skin and dark skin or even mm. you know like some of my mixed race friends and understanding that uh, some of them have black experience growing up, mm. some of them have mm. white experiences growing up and never truly get, some of them never truly got a balance of cultures, don't really know where they belong or or never felt like they belonged anywhere. They never felt like they belonged in one part of the culture or mm. on the other side. Mm. Um, and thank you for recognising that because so many people don't. And obviously that was my experience too. And, um, you know, colourism is really important issue that everyone should acknowledge and, and understand and I think sometimes there's also things missing out of the story because I'm thinking you know I grew up as a mixed race young girl mm -hmm. with a white blonde mum and I'm thinking you know all I had in the playground was you you're adopted that's not your mum you know right 100% Sadiq this now so like only recently I'm just tell you a quick story um yeah. basically I was me and my cousin on my father's side were um, taking the piss out of my grandmother, his mother. And just like, just because it's just always, she's always like been problematic in the way that she's dealt with. So my grandmother who passed away this year was like my, like one of my best friends, real love of my mm -hmm. life. Like that is my grandmother. Um, 
oh sorry your emotions yeah. just overran but like but this particular grandma she's always been cold always robotic I remember one time seeing her <laughs> and she like shook my hand and I was like you're such a weirdo whereas my grandmother who passed away this year like I would I would kiss her on the cheek or even on the lips like do you know what I mean and like my grandfather as well her husband so anyway this particular grandma was taking a piss and I was just like oh her and that ginger hair of hers like when's she gonna stop dyeing it and my cousin was like what do you mean dyeing her hair and I was like well she obviously dyes her hair where she got where is that ginger hair come from she was like, well, because her mum was a white Scottish lady. And I was like, wow. what are you talking about? She was cracking up at me because I was just doing all of the emojis and all of the things. Like, what are you talking about? Finally rang her and she was like wheezing down the phone of laughter. And she was like, grandma is mixed race. Like her mum was like a white Scottish Irish lady with the fieriest, gingerest hair you could ever imagine. Well, actually, you don't have to imagine it. That's the hair that grandma's got. And she was like, and then her dad was um, this black guy who was like dark as the night, beautiful, dark skinned black guy. Um, and they grew up in a space that was, uh, you know, like indentment, like indentured. Yeah, indentured. Like, so there was this thing that is basically slavery, but you could go and work off a debt. I've tried, I, I haven't explain that correctly but listeners mm. should go and google that and i should probably know it better than mm. i do but man i can't know everything <laughs> so these irish this irish family came over to work one of which was i guess my great grandmother and she met my great grandfather and yeah they had my grandmother she was bullied all of her life in jamaica she's too fair she's too this she thinks she's nice all of this kind of stuff Wow. Uh, met my grandfather mm. who again is was super dark like her grandfather and my granddad's family did not treat her well at all mm. like she's no good because my grandfather's like a massive like scientist and has mm. studied and done all this stuff in Jamaica uh, they came over here and were really successful she became like quite stuck up because they I guess they had accumulated the money that they had and yeah. she felt like she could and this does answer your question by the way she just came quite cold and there was this thing of like my other uncle who's slightly darker she was always a bit funny with but then my dad who's as light as her and like I said she always had the time for and he got away with murder with and all of these things in answer to your question when you realize these kind of things you start to realize like oh that's why you've been so robotic towards me when I found out this all this information I was like right you're not actually a bad person you've mm -hmm. been through some things and never ever unpacked yes. any of that shit in answer to your question I think yeah I'm very good now. I've made it a habit of being nice to myself, but there are moments where I have to remind myself to be nice to myself yeah. because it's just been ingrained. And even in grained in ways that weren't blatantly obvious. So I know that though that relationship with my grandmother, who is literally my only grandparent left alive now, it's difficult because I know that I should try and break that barrier and tried to have the bond that I had with my other grandma or do because I think she's always with me and protecting me but mm. I should try and do that but I'm con I'm unlearning how to like let that go so I can move forward and try to be a kinder person because I do think the universe is 
uh, round. I do think what you give to people is what you get. So the love that you put into people is what you're giving to yourself. So mm. the sooner that I can get, I know for a fact, the sooner I can get round to having a better, warmer relationship with her is the sooner I'll get to having an even better, warmer relationship with myself. What I've only realised probably is take you know i don't know i'm like 47 kevin right so i'm pushing half a century yeah do you not look 47 i thought well, it was a full-on 20 that's the right eight. response 20 <laughs> 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 no for real i thought you were like a real young blood i was just like you're wow. just saying that because you want me to do a good edit right no <laughs> no no 100 i was just like you're definitely not um, yeah i'm an old lady but what i've realized is I might have understood a certain thing about family dynamics and my position within it. The mistake that I've made is thinking that the other family members are also at that point. Right, right. This is all about storytelling. And you're you're a bit of a, a, a pro at this, Kevin. And um, another right. story of yours that really moved me was about one of your mates. And it's not just about the story itself, it's about how it taps into so much about how we feel about ourselves now and the work that we're creating. But if you don't mind, I'm just going to read out a tiny snippet about your friend, Alan. But you remember when your friendship with Alan ended and he invited you to Scouts and you said that you remember your mother cautiously letting you go, saying, "Um, at any point, if you feel uncomfortable, Kevin, just leave. Don't worry. Just come straight home. The number of times I said that to my daughter without her realising or knowing what I'm saying and I'm sending her into a situation that I know could make or break her. She's going to be talking about therapy. Do you know what I mean? And And you said that I remember that overwhelming feeling of being made to feel other at this scouts group and the reason why was that it was the head of the scouts made some joke about jungles a racist Mm -hmm. joke most of the other boys laughed and Alan looked embarrassed and at first you thought it was because he thought he was responsible for everybody else's actions and being unkind but then you quickly realized that he was embarrassed to be associated with you and he wasn't embarrassed for you and it taps into so many experiences not only in our formative years but in the present and it made me think about so many people share their personal stories online now and how that makes them vulnerable and it's about allies and a lot of people attach themselves to like the anti-racism and the civil rights and black lives matter and I'm getting more and more cynical with regards to things that I see online and alliances that I make with people online but at the same time you know you want to be open to experience and I wonder how you go about protecting yourself and that inner child. I think in terms of real life and real people uh, there's a saying us Jamaicans have like my spirit didn't take to them and uh, (laughs) I really I'm terrible for it. Like I walk into a room and if I'm like, you are fully darkness, I, I'm not in it. I do not care. I will just exit that space ASAP Rocky. Listen, my intuition has saved my life. There are many a times that I should have been dead already and something tapped me on my shoulder and was like, this isn't it. Turn your black ass around and reverse. Like, move. Yeah. Um, in terms of online. How do you manage all that? I'm just I'm online I'm I'm really 
open and I feel like I have to be because I talk about certain things and I'm trying to be that bridge that we spoke about earlier of the past and present and trying mm-hmm. to give game like stuff that I've learned I'm like trying to pass it on because I want people younger than me to get further than me in a short amount short amount of time mm-hmm. like my goal is like not personal success I don't have to worry about that and then I think you should just do right by people and you don't have to get revenge on people and you just leave people to learn their own ways and I found that they normally come back in one form or another wanting to apologize for the nonsense now I'm not going to sit up here and say I'm a saint I'm not going to sit up here and be like I haven't spun people's jaws for their nonsense like I can't (laughs) But for the most part, as I've gotten older, I've gotten much better at just being like, okay, that didn't work out. I just want to leave this conversation peacefully. Like, let me do us both a favor. I'm going to remove myself because something's not right here. We are not meant to be connecting in this moment, but Mm. not every room are you meant to be in. You need like a weekly advice column. If someone could, I'm really good at uh, setting up things for everyone else. It's when it comes to my own things, it's like... I've just like recently started a new project and I've been talking about it for five mm-hmm. years yeah. and it's just the like why have you not so if anyone wants to actually just set up a podcast weekly thingy I'm more than happy to do it it's just I just don't think anyone wants to hear what I've got to say that's all well we'll see <laughs> won't we <laughs> <laughs>